So it's important that we understand the right God in the right way, and that's what John endeavors to do in his Christmas story. Last week, John described Jesus as the Word, who was with God and who was, in fact, God. He just comes out unapologetically with these truths. And from this, we learn that Jesus is eternal. If he's with God from the beginning, before creation, before God created anything, Jesus was there. He's not a created being. In this, we learn that he's divine. He is, in fact, God. And he is a person. He was with God. There's a relationship there from the very beginning before anything was created. We have the beautiful triune God. So today we want to get a glimpse of how these some difficult or incomprehensible truths benefit us in a very comprehensible way. As we look at Jesus as the life and light of men. This morning I will look at Jesus as the life and next Sunday as the light. Our text is John 1, 4 through 5. And I read, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Life. In him was life. That word life pops up. John uses that word 36 times in this gospel. Life, life, life. And he wants, he has stated, people to believe in Jesus. Why? So that they might have life. Not only is Jesus alive, not only did he rise from the dead, but Jesus, not only can he give life, but Jesus absolutely is life. All life. That exists, comes through Jesus, the Word, who created all things. What a a wonderful vision that John has is contemplating as we think about all the beautiful details of the Christmas story. We we think about the shepherds and the angels and, and perhaps the barn animals, the sheep. So we think about maybe even a donkey that Mary rode into Bethlehem on. All of these characters, all of these living things in the Christmas story about baby Jesus were brought into existence by Jesus, the Word. And the little boys and girls and and others that will participate in the Christmas pageant this morning were brought into existence. We all were brought into existence by Jesus. For as the Father has life in himself, John 5, 26... So he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. So it's a good question to ask, perhaps, why would John write these words to people who were obviously already living? If you weren't alive, you couldn't even read these words. How would they benefit from you? Because through Jesus, though all Jesus creates all physical and biological life, John is referring to spiritual life. He's he's referring to spiritual death. Though we can be alive physically and biologically, we can be dead spiritually, or perhaps more accurately, we can be dead to God, dead to the things of God, which is a world that we would be veiled to and unaware of. John wants us to know 
that God and to know his world. So there are people that are not alive in that sense in John's day. There are people that are not alive in that sense in our day. God was not dead to them. They were dead to God and God was not dead to them in that he had written them off because God pursues us. God pursues the spiritually dead. We are dead to God because we reject him. Jesus is the only source of physical and spiritual life. Reminded of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the only way that we can have that eternal life, John tells us, is by believing in Jesus, who is, in fact, life. Jesus gives us God. Or you might say, God gives us God. That's the Christmas story. And it is incredible to fathom that God gives us the gift of himself. What better gift could there possibly be? And when we acknowledge him in this way and understand this properly and we place our faith in him for salvation John says you live you live because Christ is life but God has no desire to give us eternal life or prolong our life in this fallen broken world the eternal life eventually that we will enjoy is in the world to come is in heaven where we will spend eternity with him in that realm. So the new life we receive is the heavenly life. And it's planted into us as a seed, you might say, or as the conception that takes place when we believe in Christ in small form, and then it just forever grows when we believe in him. So all that life that comes into us in the person of Christ and dwells in us just continues to grow And expand so that God's kingdom can expand in our hearts. According to John in his gospel, the opposite of life is is not just death, it's condemnation. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So to receive eternal life... To receive forgiveness of sins is also to be pardoned from that condemnation and the wrath of God. One of the lies of the devil is that when people place their faith in Jesus, well, then they have to live righteously. And it takes all the fun out of life. Now, this was absolutely one of my legitimate concerns and resistances to giving my life to Christ. As I reason, what about all the fun I'm having? So in my mind, I thought it made perfect sense. You know, mischief is fun. It truly is. You all know that. Mischief is fun. And it seemed to me that in order to enjoy life, or at least all of life, or all the things that are out there, that you had to just be immoral sometimes. That was my world before Christ. So I had to cross the line, you know, sometimes to liven things up. Being good or believing in him meant being good and being good meant life is now boring. But just the opposite is true. 
Jesus comes into us and increases our capacity to enjoy life for what it is intended to be. So it's sin that deadens the things of God. It's sin that robs us of our joy and saps us of our life. It's Jesus that fills us and our little world and lives with wonder and purpose. Absolutely packs us with this. It's Jesus who makes doing even the simple things packed with meaning. G. Campbell Morgan was a uh, well-known preacher and pastor and really theologian and author. He's written many commentaries. He died in 1945. His father was a pastor. He preached, uh, G. Campbell Morgan preached his first sermon at 13 years old. I've enjoyed his um, commentaries immensely. They're a very solid read. But G. Campbell Morgan, when he was just a boy... He met a man who had recently been converted um, under his father's preaching. His father was a pastor. And so young Morgan encountered him in a garden. The man was holding something in his hand and just gazing into his hand with absolute wonder. So Morgan, Morgan asked him what it was. And with a voice filled with awe, the man showed him a leaf that had fallen from a tree. The beauty of God, he said. It's the beauty of God. In his conversion, he came awake to the simple wonders of life. God, through Christ, can bring the simple wonders to life in our hearts and in our minds. As Christians, we're forever discovering and wondering the wonders, really, of God in Christ. Everything we once knew, we now know in a new way. Everything that we once looked at, we look at in a different way. When I came to Christ, all my relationships were changed. My relationship with God, my relationship with myself, my relationship with my family and everyone that I loved. And in everyone that I encountered... It was all different now because of the life that was brought into my life by Christ. So the same things that I would see now are different. All things are the wonders of God. This was my experience. I came to Christ, I think, right around 19 and a half. So I was just very, very young in the faith when I had this experience. I've shared it before. But as a new believer, one day I walked... Up the hill, I lived, my house was at the bottom of a hill and it was the dead end. So if you wanted to get anywhere, you had to go up. So I would walk up. I made this trip thousands of times as, as a child. That's the, that was where I was born. And that, um, I was brought home to that house. I lived in that house my entire life. Up to that time, that house is still there, by the way. So I'm, this given day, I'm new in Christ. I'm walking up this hill, making this trip that I've made many, many times. And I walk under a poplar tree. That poplar tree had been there my whole life. And it was on the edge of kind of my yard, so it wasn't a big part of my life. I didn't climb it. The, tr the branches were too high for me to reach. And um, so I'm walking under this tree up the hill, and all of a sudden it just catches my attention. And I, and I look up at this tree. And I noticed there are blooms on this tree. Not just leaves, but blooms. It's a tulip poplar. 
And I can now, I can just reach one of the limbs and pull it down and I get one of these little blooms, these little blossoms, and I am like, what? What is this? And with my new eyes, I realize this is not just a tree, but it's God's tree. It's God's creation. God put this here for everybody to enjoy. I'd enjoyed it for shade, and now I enjoy it for its beauty and even the fragrance. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a tulip poplar, though it was in my yard. And I knew trees, poplar trees, until God opened my eyes. It was profound. See, God created us to be beholders of absolute wonders. It's in our hearts. It's in our DNA. We were created to behold absolutely glorious things. Of course, to behold God and his handiwork. To peer, to ponder, to wonder at God and the work of his hands. That's what that old man saw in that leaf. The beauty of of God. In contrast, we have the story of Charles Darwin, who, in uh, the author of or the originator of the theory of evolution, he once was a faithful church attender, but eventually turned his back on God in favor of secular humanism. If my discoveries of science are true, then there is no God. There can't be a God. His biography tells us that eventually he lost his taste for life. And as he grew older, he admitted that he could no longer get anything out of poetry or music or art. Life lost its flavor. He lived out his days in a world without wonder and joy. Jesus is not just a worldview about life. Jesus is life. And John wants us to see him and long for him and reach out and find him and believe him. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life. And he said, and have it abundantly. The assumption is that there are those out there that he's speaking to that do not have life. And they do not have it abundantly. If they do not have it abundantly, whatever it is, it's scarce. So like Darwin, the grand things of life can grow bland. Impersonal objects with no destination, no meaning, no purpose just happened upon us. But once we have this life, we can grow in it. That seed will continue to grow. And our wonder can can continue to grow. Because Jesus is the word if we... Fill ourselves with the word of God. Satiate that appetite with him. Our eyes will continue to open to who God is and the wonders that he has blessed us with. Very first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. I have mentioned that there were theologians and pastors in, in the early church that got it wrong. There were also those that got it right. One that got it right was St. Augustine. R.D. Phillips writes, Augustine had a brilliant mind, but was an ungodly youth. His Christian mother, Monica, was burdened for his salvation, and his lifestyle broke her heart. 
As Augustine grew older, bouncing from philosophy to philosophy and indulging himself in sin, he began thinking about Christianity, even listening to the famous preacher Ambrose of Milan. But that did not bring him to life until he turned to the Bible. As he tells his own story in his book, The Confessions of Augustine, he was seated on a bench grieving for the deadness of his soul when he heard children's voices from over a nearby fence. They were singing a child's song with the words, Toye lege, toye lege, which means take up and read, take up and read. Augustine fetched a book of Paul's letters he had with him, opened it and read Romans 13, 13 through 14. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Instantly, he was converted, turned from his sins, began his new life as a Christian. Just as Christ is the word and and life of men, it was by the word that new life came into Augustine. He says, instantly, with the end of this sentence, by a light, as it were, of confidence, now darted into my heart, all the darkness of doubting vanished away. In him was life. Physical matter did not exist or give rise to life. Life gave rise to physical matter. And all that we know in that life is Jesus Christ. There was never a time where life did not exist because Jesus Christ is eternal. He is truth. He is reality. We believe in Christ. When we do that, we are embracing his story. We are embracing his truth. We are embracing the reality that we live in. Without baby Jesus, what story do we have for our beginnings and our ends? We have to make one up and instill our own purpose and meaning to it that may or may not mean anything. But God kindly reveals his story to us. First there was life, then there was matter, everything that we see. And John knows this. And he begs us, he beckons us to reach out. Close with, I nearly close with a quote by John Piper. He says, most of the people you see at the mall or at work look alive. If you tell them they're dead, they will think you've lost your mind. But if you substitute spiritual blindness and darkness for deadness, then you start to see what John means. People aren't dead because they can't walk or talk or think or feel or even see with physical eyes. They are dead because seeing they do not see. Matthew 13, 13. To reject Jesus is to reject this life. The Christmas story is about life, not just about how life came to be, but how life is passed on, how life is given, how God gave God to the world, to sinners, as a gift. The Christmas story is many things, wise men, kings, riches, poverty, stables, 
pregnant or expecting little girls. But rightly understood, the Christmas story is about life. It's a pure story. It's a true story. And John would have us be pure and true and honest with ourselves and the longings that we might have. If I'm alive, why do I always want more? Is there something out there? The Gospel of John says yes. It's Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. So every time we, we celebrate Christmas, we, we look at anything Christmassy, whether it's the flowers or the candles or the wreaths or the trees or stockings hung by the chimney or Christmas paper. Trace it back to in him was and is life. May God bless the preaching of his word.